again and welcome to a new episode of Gas Giants and another in our series of popcorn double features where we look at two movies. Have you noticed something, Tom? I've noticed a lot of things. Are you just referring to something specific? I'm referring to the fact that it seemed like last year we spent a lot of time in the 1980s. Mm. One, way, one way or another, it felt uh, felt a little bit like we were getting stuck there. And actually, this year, so far, it looks like we've been turning our attention to the 1970s a lot. Well, do you really think I was going to figure that out from your question? Oh, God, yeah. But look, this is, you've, you've got to get with the program a bit. It's this a method. This is frontman stuff, <laughs> all right? I think channel your inner Ron Burgundy. All right, now I'm going to do this a little bit more, uh, 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 the two Ronnies. You can try again there. <laughs> have you noticed something? Yes, I have noticed something. Is it the same thing you've noticed? <laughs> all right, but we are, it's true, we have turned our attention a bit to the 1970s because uh, our... Uh, examination of the uh, of the Miramoglu and Freddie Hubbard records Sing Me a Song of Song Mai was very much from the beginning of the 70s. We had a look at J.J. Uh, at uh, Ballard's High Rise, also very typically of that time, although, of course, there had been a modern film of it as well. Yeah. And tonight... So we've actually done a record, a book, and tonight we're doing two films, which are so 1970s. The movies, ladies and gentlemen, before we get any further, we should actually iterate what they are. They are 1974's The Parallax View and 1975's The Stepford Wives. So it's going to be a very paranoid popcorn double feature yes have you noticed that people chuckle when you talk about the stepford wives yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah, i have and actually uh i mean uh, first of all can i ask which order if we are actually running this imaginary cinema which order would you put this double bill oh if 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 i was programming it Mm. uh i think i would have to go with parallax view first Oh, interesting. I would have done it the other way around. Okay. Yeah, I mean, simply because I don't want people walking out before they started the Parallax View. And you think that's a possibility with the step? Yeah, I do. There are some aspects to it that are... It's very stylistically about women in the 70s. Uh-huh. It's about fashion. It's about hair. It's about home home lives. And, you know, and, and, and some people will go, this is stupid. I'm out of here. Huh. Just go to the pub or something, you know. Well, frankly, I would I, for for this evening's discussion, I would I would do it the other way around. So you'd like to start with the Stepford Wives? Well, if we're going to not multiplex between them, oh, right, right. if we're not going to run between the two cinemas, you know, and, yeah. and try to catch a bit of both, then yeah, I would. I okay. Would probably. Right. Stepford Wives is actually the younger movie by one year. Came out in yeah. nineteen seventy five. Um, it had a very checkered history of uh, of production, which we can get into as well. Hmm. And lots of people yep. passed through the project, which is quite interesting in itself. But yeah. uh, maybe we should start with a wee uh, plot synopsis. Yeah, so I can do this real quick. Okay. A man decides to murder his wife 
and have her replaced by a, by a robot, a robot with bigger tits and a more about the house attitude, you know, you know, attending more to his needs and domestic life. So he moves to a town called Stepford where they've got a program doing exactly that and he gets it done to his wife. Except um, you're assuming that he actually knew that before he moved to Stepford. It's pretty obvious. Uh, I don't know. There's one scene after the first meeting that he has in the men's club where he's quietly crying on his own in the lounge. So he may well have had the truth revealed to him then. No, I don't think this is something that's being done to him. Okay. Uh, if you, there are scenes as it becomes more and more obvious until you get to uh, pretty much at the end where, you know, he's, yeah, he's designed this wife. Uh, he's he's been he's been involved right from the start and in getting it ready, getting that mm-hmm. that uh, that that scene set up. And you know, there's a scene towards the end. Uh, a bedroom exists has been set up inside one of the rooms at the association building where they do some of this work uh, creating the robots. And you know that's been set up according to his specifications. Uh, and the modifications to the wife have been has have come from him. And yeah. He he's and he's also a, clearly a really horrible person right from the get go. Yeah, um, he's joined the men's association on day one of his commute. Once he once he gets to town, and uh, you know they arrive, he goes to work and comes home that first day of going to work, and he's already joined the men's association. The purpose of which is to do this work. Yeah, of replacing wives with robots. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's there's an incredible tell in the uh, in the very first scene of this movie, where um, the family who've been living in in somewhere in New York uh, are packing the car up to drive to this to this new place where they've moved to, yep. and yep. Um, and one of his daughters looking out of the the window of the car sees a guy carrying a, a large nude mannequin. Yep. across the street and she says daddy i just i've just seen a man uh carrying a naked carrying a lady, lady. La- naked yeah. lady well that was a little later that the daughter said that uh but the but the wife the real wife not the well i mean mm-hmm. the wife here is is yeah. uh is pretty clear it's only in the final uh the final comedy scene in the yeah. in the in, in, in the supermarket where uh, we really see the robot in action, but in all the rest of it is the real wife, and she's a you know she's an interesting woman. She's got a, you know yeah. a, a fully formed character as a person. Yeah, and she's a photographer. She's yes. trying to make a career in fine art photography, showing us trying to get her stuff shown in galleries and whatnot. Yeah. And as soon as she also sees this mannequin being carried across, being sort of like manhandled across yeah. the road by presumably somebody who works in the garment district or whatever. Yeah. And uh, she gets out a camera and takes a few shots of that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the kids are in the back of the car when that happens. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the father says, well, that's why we're moving out to Stepford. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Is, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I think this film is a, is a re- very rare case of uh, lightning striking because actually it's the sort of rather clunky, almost made-for-TV look about it that makes mm. it more surreal than it really yeah, it, is. Yes, it's got a very 
It's got a very creepy look to it. Uh, it's got a, a look that's, yeah, clunky, made for TV. It's almost like sitcom style uh, yeah. TV set, interior sets. And, yeah, except uh, and they also, weren't sets. You, do, do you realize that they were? They most of them were actually in uh, real houses, location yeah. in real no, houses. I didn't, I didn't know, yeah. but also a lot of the exterior shots are like Coke commercials, you know, in terms yeah. of their, their their photography. So the so the way that you're right, the way the pictures are done is is, is like in a very highly commercial, simplified, glossy magazine style not glassy magazine but glossy yeah. way that 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 um that's made for mass appeal on tv yeah yeah and um, that but that does that that adds to the creepiness doesn't it that yes. this this overall intensely overdone feeling of a dangerously threatening suburban community and suburban mm. homes you know they just feel unnerving yeah yeah, no, they they do. You don't you don't get a ever get a comfortable feel about it. Oh. And uh, so anyway, the uh, the family moves out to Stepford. There's a great uh, scene where uh, where the uh, where the, the the wife. Oh my God, I can't believe I can't remember her name. Uh, Joanna Eberhardt. Okay, so Joanna meets up after she's she's interviewed for a, for a sort of you know terrible. Uh, local rag about new arrivals in Stepford. She's, uh, she's yeah. hunted down by somebody else who's just moved from, uh, from New York, who's a similar kind of character who's, who's lively, who's, who's feisty and all the rest of it. And the pair of them uh, become friends very quickly. Yes. And they so, both dislike Stepford. Yeah. In a scene that let's face it could only have been written by a man well, uh, they they sit down, start drinking whiskey, and uh, Bobby com points out that her purse only has ding dongs and tampons in it. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you see what happens? You, these gals, they get a drink inside them, they start talking about their periods. <laughs> <laughs> well, possibly. <laughs> it's, I'm so only only a man could have written that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, what we what we basically see through this whole thing. I mean, uh, as you say, they've uh, the uh, the husband then goes off joins this men's association and gets a lot of really creepy friends. Yep. Uh, principally, one who's called Diz because he used to work for the Disney Corporation. Right. Yes, and uh, and that's that's why there's a sort of montage of the uh, mechanical presidents on the Substack page, right? If you care to look, yes, that because, that that's another exercise in creepy. Yeah, well, it was interesting because uh, because of course I I first met those uh, in the research for the JG Ballard book, uh, where I'd read another Ballard book called uh, Hello America. Yeah. And the, yeah. the the mechanical presidents turn up there, and they're yes. and they're creepy in that as well. <laughs> Naturally. So she um, and what we basically see is actually women literally being turned into objects. Yeah, all the way through well, this movie. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a movie on one level about discovering that you live in a in an actually threatening, dangerous, murderous town. 
mm. right? Where there's a there's a cult, you know, a, a, uh. a, some sort of a cult going on that uh, that's that's threatening to some people and uh, and is you know is is is, is attractive to others, appealing mm. to others. But on another level, it's it's a feminist movie, which is about mm. yes, about turning women into yeah. um, about it's how the men, objectification about, of women, yeah, about well, that's that's yeah. That, but some people have got very specific meanings to that. I would say mm. you know it's okay. about the male fantasies of how their domestic lives should be, uh, which is uh, they're in charge of everything. They're the women are completely obedient, and it's not really about them being objects. It's about them being specifically something, uh, which is uh, they do all the housework very nicely. They've always got a dinner ready. They're always polite and they're loving. And when, uh, when they have sex there, the, the woman is going to behave like the man is, is sex Mm -hmm. God every time. Um, It's, Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fantasy fulfillment for a certain a certain kind of man. I'm not sure it really is. It's a it's a fantasy fulfillment for a for a, cine, a, a cinematic sort of or a fictional idealized villainous man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's uh, the, the all the men in 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 this movie are are awful, and the oh, I yeah. mean, you must have found yourself wondering as we follow our hero, Joanna Eberhardt, through the entire movie, how on earth she ended up married to this terrible arsehole. Yes, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does happen, though. The And, and all the men are... It, it's interesting when you think about it. The, the women are... The women are presented as very much some sort of a selection of very 70s women mm. uh you've got the younger more women's liber- li- women's liberated types uh uh-huh. such as our our hero and her friend what was they was the friend called carol no, what was bobby. her name uh, bobby was her friend bobby and there's the, the redhead apprentice called oh god yes paul apprentice who of course yeah. turns up very briefly in the parallax for you oh Really? Uh, All right, cool. Yeah. Um, I'll come to that. Now, so those two, you know, they're, uh, they've got, you know, more sexy clothing and uh, more free, free hairdos, you know, stuff uh, that doesn't take quite so much effort. And then you've got the, the women who've already been converted to robots who have got more conservative clothing, a bit more frumpy and old-fashioned frilly stuff. Yeah. And they've got extremely elaborate hairdos. Yes, one of which is just unbelievably, you know, it's like even beyond like conservative, mm. conservative glamour news anchor types. Um, yeah. So that on the one hand, you've got you've got a, a selection of uh, exaggerated representations of some American types, let's oh. say, on the women's side. But I think you've got exactly the same with the men. Different ages representative, sorry, represented. Uh, and until the very final scene, they're all white, of course. And mm. they, uh, which is true also for the women, they're all the kinds of faces that, that you, you've gotten used to in TV, you know, yeah. especially in TV shows like Dallas. And you're like, yeah. oh, that is, that, I mean, the kind of faces that just creep you out from the very get-go. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually also true in a couple of cases in Parallax for you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> 
yeah so it, yes it it there it's a it's a very extreme sort of contrast where uh you know the women are all beautiful uh with their different styles of course and the men yeah. are all grotesque yeah yeah no it's it's, it's quite a it's, it's quite a trip that so <laughs> yes it is the thing is that uh, the, there've been there've been several spin-offs from this original movie uh, there's been and uh, culminating in an entire remake of the movie, which is terrible. Mm, uh, yeah, there's, there was the, there was a, a movie in 1980 called The Revenge of the Stepford Wives, which I managed to watch about five minutes of. It was really terrible. <laughs> this sort of made-for-TV thing was yeah, yeah. It's just uh, filler, filler for the space between advertisements. Yeah. Yeah. And and then of course there was a, there was a 2004 movie which treated the entire thing as a comedy, which is uh, which is kind of interesting because why would you treat this as a comedy? What else are you going to do? There's no point in a remake no. for this kind of movie. No, there is no point the, of a remake. The, no, exactly. The, the the problem with this kind of movie and the parallax view is that is that the impact the first time you watch it is completely different from any subsequent viewing, mm. which is not true for all movies. Some movies get no. better as you watch them a couple of times more. Uh, yeah. But but movies such as these two have a mystery in them that keeps getting hinted at and a little bit of information mm. filled in as you go along until you get to the end and then you can piece it together. Yeah. And that's Which is a very standard kind of way of building... Uh, movies, but it's the kind that doesn't really bear up to to remakes to repetition, very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but I, I wondered one that said about. Um, well, I think that it uh, it's very much a movie of its time. Yes, and I don't think it would be made like that in uh, you know in later periods. No, it wouldn't. But. I, this is why I wanted to draw your attention to Get Out, uh, oh. which is a pretty recent movie that I think bears a lot of comparison uh, ah. to Stepford Wives. I think, and, and uh, Jordan Peele has said how much he was influenced by Stepford Wives in this film. Interesting. Uh, bec yeah, because, I mean, it's, it's another film that involves a, an, an extreme buildup of weirdness uh -huh. that doesn't have any clear explanation. Um, yeah. are, are people being mind-controlled? Are they going away for lobotomies? Are they, uh -huh. are they frightened or intimidated into behaving this way? What, what, what on earth is going on? And eventually we come to this, in Stepford-wise, this dramatic reveal. They're yeah. just killing the women and replacing them with robots. Whereas in Get Out, we've got a different kind of... but equally appalling, I mean, probably more mm. grotesque anyway, explanation for the extreme weirdness through the movie. Um, mm. And, you know, can you, can you understand what, you know, the, these behaviors and it's all, and it all comes together in the climax. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it, 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 no, so I think you can definitely do this kind of thing. Obviously styles change. And if you want mm -hmm. a big audience, you know, you've got to go with, You've got to go with what audiences are expecting and are going mm. to be entertained by. But yeah, you can do this kind of movie. Yeah. Of course, this, uh, this, this movie was not a big commercial success. Interestingly. Interestingly, yeah. Exactly. Because it is, a, it is a legit 
horror movie. It's a yes. suspenseful horror movie. Yeah. And and does work that way. It's so a, what, I mean, so it's what do you think? It's very well done, actually. Yeah. I mean, the, the director said that he'd always wanted to make uh, a horror film in the sunshine. Yeah. And that's what this is, actually. Yes. yes. Very much so. And I, I, just not to get too far ahead of us, I like to think of Parallax View as a film noir set in the sunshine with lots yes. of color. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's Absolutely. a it's an interesting it, it it's a it's a it is an interesting kind of suspense where you've got all this sort of like beautiful photography, very colorful, very lush. Mm. I mean, these are images of what for a lot of people are ideals of of security and comfort. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, domestic <laughs> well, bliss, but the whole thing so frightening. <laughs> Female slaves found it a great honor to be chosen to live with and to bear the offspring of the gods. You see, it's no coincidence that the spacemen are almost identical to us. It is not, Sarah, a case of two species developing, evolving independently of each other. Those ancient spacemen altered forever our evolution. They are the missing link. Oh well, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because of course, at the at the time that the parallel uh, that uh, Stepford Wise, the Stepford Wise was made. Uh, Pete, there was a certain flight from the city going on in uh -huh. uh, in America. Uh, a certain you, flight. You, no, well, so, well, New York a was big... was collapsing uh, economically. Yes. It was it was a big deal, and so the stuff like this was happening. Yep. And uh, a similar thing is kind of on the cards now, I think. It may well be, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's going to be a bit different because the, uh, the, the economy for everybody is going to have to go down a bit. I, or, but who knows? Maybe the, the financial capital can, can keep it going for uh, mm. you know, the, the ruling class and the PMC for a bit. I don't know, mm -hmm. but the yes, the uh, I mean, what, but on the other hand, why do, we don't need we don't need cities for industrial productive capitalism anymore. That's not what mm -hmm. cities are for these days. They're they're for lifestyle, right? Huh. They're for lifestyle, yeah. media management, finance, uh, tech, things like that. And you can do those things anywhere, but they've chosen to do them in cities. It seems mm. um, for lifestyle reasons. One story I read somewhere, I think it was in one of the links that you provided mm -hmm. for this, was, was that it was a bust with a lot of feminists of the period. Yes, yeah, no, it, it didn't go down with, with feminists well at all. Um, at that's time. a very interesting point, isn't it? It is, isn't and it? You, and it makes you wonder what it is that they didn't like. You know, I, for, I, I have been trying to track this down. And mm. the problem is that the only people who are trying to explain it are people like uh, like Brian Forbes, who, you know, was the director, who mm. said that uh, the feminist, feminists just didn't understand it. Yes, that's not a very helpful uh, you know, explanation, it's is not it? really terribly yeah. helpful. Yeah, yeah I, I, would, uh, I would really like to know uh, in detail what exactly the the uh, the objections were because uh, to me it seems a very very uh, straightforward parable about uh, about um, you know trying to because uh, apart from all of the other stuff about uh, about 
looking after the kids and and keeping the house in order and all the all the rest of it it also what's happened in all of these women and what's really got everybody uh brought them all these men to this point where they have to actually do this drastic step is because they're stuck with free thinking women yes they want obedient um, women yeah, they don't want any anybody with any original ideas or anybody anybody or might with an argue opinion. with them. Yeah, yeah, or or and might want to leave Stepford. Yes, yeah, that's that's the point when uh, when the emergency uh, sort yeah. of uh, gets gets pulled the emergency chain. Yeah, why that would be a problem for a lot of feminists i don't really understand but maybe there's there are some listening to this and maybe they can enlighten us i'm going to guess that okay. uh, what i what i got was from reading it that the by no means did all women dislike the movie but some uh feminists who were specifically invited to early screenings uh-huh. were objecting fairly early on in their viewing and just didn't want to complete watching it ah okay and i think that it 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 could be that the movie was too on the bone you know on the bone close to the bone that's the word for it too close Mm -hmm. to the bone um in its representation of women for comfort so you've got these almost satirical uh presentation of the women uh you know Uh the um like I've already described, and and the and yeah. and, and the and the homes, and it's it's over the top. Uh, I mean the the way they've done the costumes, the hair, right. uh, the way they've done the casting and the lighting and the pr- uh. presentation of it all—it's over the top, right? That's part of the creepiness. Yeah. Well, so if uh, they were, if fair. they were, if the women in the audience were thinking along the lines of, that's not fair to women. Then you could understand how maybe they 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 got all all shirty about it at that point uh-huh. before getting the before understanding where the plot was going and realizing that it was in fact uh-huh. a parable. Well, to be fair, um, the <laughs> as to the the costumes and you know it's uh, it's it's worth looking at this film just for the sheer look of it. Oh yeah. Because it's uh, it's it's quite a quite an original look and it's it's very funny that. Um, I think that's maybe on the Substack page as well. I did manage to find a fashion shoot based around the Stepford Wives. Cool. Um, because, of course, it changed directors a couple of times. I think Brian De Palma was supposed to do it originally. Yeah. And then uh, then the, uh, uh, the producer had the original idea of bringing in an English director, Brian Forbes. Mm-hmm. Either, I mean, the official line with this is that he thought that a foreigner's eye would maybe show up more. But uh, maybe he was just cheap or available or something. I don't know. And, of course, Brian Forbes was married to Nanette Newman. Okay. So Nanette Newman, and Nanette Newman in this uh, is actually has a, has a small part, but it's a character part, and she does it very, very well. Yeah. She's actually one of the standout moments of the movie with this little little character. I'll die if I don't get that recipe. Yes, you know, that's yes, great. Yeah, um, it really is. But originally, the plan was to have uh, all of the wives kind of dressed, which is ridiculous, have them sort of dressed up like bunny girls or something like that. 
Yeah. And uh, the thing was that Nanette Newman didn't look good got up like that. So mm. that's why, why they went with this with this uh, different costuming. Yeah, they did have not... a little bit of bunny girls in the end, didn't they? Yeah. 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 It was um yeah it was a bit of a weird party, uh, but again another uh, another representation of a male fantasy, you know mm-hmm. uh, pool party. It's all very Hugh Hefner. Um, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you got the men men with aprons on doing their stuff with the fire and meat. Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, as, uh, as though they had as though they had been successful in the hunt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting to look at the casting of this as well. Um, just a just a, a few few little uh, details here because it is it is really interesting. Uh, so Catherine Ross is obviously she's the lead in this, but various people had had turned the part down. Diane Keaton being one of them, mm-hmm. and uh, the other one was Gene Seberg. Okay, that would have been. That would have been amazing. What's she been in? Remind me what Jane Seberg is Jane like. Seberg. Well, she was yeah. in um, Breathless, a Buddha Souffle, in okay. 19... Yeah. Oh, she was in one or two other things. But she was she was actually well-known as a, as a big political activist. She was found dead. I think the official explanation is suicide, but there's a bit of a question mark over that. Yeah. Uh, and which was a link to our next movie, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah. Um, Paul Apprentice, who you know, oh, as I said, she turns up in the Parallax View as the uh, as the as uh, as the journalist. Amazingly, uh, she had a three-month-old baby at the time. She was the TV the journalist. Stepford, yeah. In. Damn, I didn't notice that. Yeah. She looks so different. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good acting, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, it's I an interesting... Yes, right. okay, well, we'll come to that a little bit later, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, I think I'm right in that. Yeah. Uh, Peter Masterson, who was, who was playing Joanna's husband, actually, the, the thing was, the, um, the screenwriter, William Goldblum. Goldman! Yeah, William William Goldman. So there was a, a lot of friction between him and the director. There was the some kind of story that he's supposed to have turned a final draft in, and the director uh, Brian Forbes said that he never got it, and so he'd have to rewrite the whole movie himself. Okay, very strange. Anyway, the thing was that this actor uh, Peter Masterson was uh, was a friend of uh, of Goldman's. And he actually kept in touch with him all the way through the shoot. So he would come home, he'd, he'd, he'd ring his mate and tell him what, what they'd done today. And Goldman would say, oh, God, they ruin it. Well, can you not get them to try and put that back in? Yeah. And, uh, and so little by little, little things did actually go back into the, into the shoot. Wow. Okay. And uh, the thing was that when the um, when the Stepford wives came along, uh, she had just had a baby, and she'd uh, she'd you know had to obviously had to take time off, and she was terrified that uh, that she was just going to get forgotten about. So she did this movie, which uh, which was probably a strange one, 
looking at the screenplay and everything. Yeah, she had a baby three months before. It was it was very much a family shoot actually from from <laughs> lots of uh, well there's there's uh, various people moved with their entire family to this to this place in in Connecticut where the the shoot took place because as I said they didn't use sets they used actual buildings actual locations right and so a lot of the kids that uh, turn up in the movie are actually the children of various actors oh, cool <laughs> this makes sense why not yeah <laughs> oh it says i found i just happened to do some scrolling and stumbled upon i was looking to see how much money it uh, might have cost to make it got mm. apparently and there's a section on the wikipedia page that we could read here mm-hmm Initial reaction to the film by feminist groups was not favorable, uh, with one studio screening for feminist activists being met with hisses, groans, and guffaws. Uh, so I think that's probably what I was uh, thinking yeah. about when I was uh, guessing earlier as to what's going on. Yeah. Carson Krug disagreed with the perceived anti-woman interpretations, with Newman recalling, Brian Forbes always used to say, if anything, it's anti-men. Which oh, yeah. certainly, <laughs> certainly seems to me. It's, yeah, that's our, our interpretation of it. Maybe we're uh, wrong, but yeah. Despite Betty Friedman's uh, The Feminine Mystique being a major influence on the original novel upon which the film was based, uh, Friedman's response to the film was highly critical, calling it a ripoff of the women's movement. Uh, Friedman commented that women should boycott the film and attempt, not, and, and attempt to diminish any publicity for it. Which is curious, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So she, the woman who had influenced the original novel on which it was based, yeah, a ripoff. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, that does sometimes happen when ideas get adapted and, and the originator of the idea yeah. dislikes it. Like, for example, with Bad Lieutenant, when yeah. um, Werner Herzog did a, an unauthorized sequel uh, to it. The director of the original movie was uh, very bent out of shape until I don't know, some years later he saw it and said, you know, it's a good movie. <laughs> oh, wow. um, so that I, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case here. Let's oh. continue. Next paragraph. Walter Gale Green, however, lord of the film, commenting, I loved it. Those men were like a lot of men I've known in my life. <laughs> well, Feminist. Yeah. Yes. Well, you can maybe, if, if in an exaggerated form, I hope. <laughs> I hope for Walter uh, Gail Green's case. Uh, uh, feminist screenwriter Eleanor Perry came to the film's defense, uh, stating that it presses button that makes uh, presses buttons that make you furious. The fact that all the Stepford men wanted, uh, all the men wanted. Oh, sorry. The fact that all the Stepford men wanted was big breasts, big bottoms, a clean house, fresh put coffee and sex. Yeah, I know. And, uh, you know, we we think that we're, you know, kind of maybe moved on a little bit from this. But uh, but right now, at the time that we're recording this, this Andrew Tate guy has finally been, you know, put in, in jail or is on trial or whatever. And I have, because I do come occasionally in contact with with teenagers and uh, or younger guys and whatever, that is a subject of conversation that has come up. And the number of people who've said to me, is that, yeah, but some of the stuff he says is right, though. Yeah, I, I don't honestly know. Jesus Christ. I, mean, I don't, yeah, I don't honestly know what Andrew Tate is up to. 
or has been okay so what's well the big deal here? Yeah, that's that's a whole rabbit rabbit hole that you could well come go on down, but come on quickly <laughs> summary i need oh, to know so well it's it's, it's highly misogynistic uh-huh. And it's uh, it's 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 actually not uh, not far from this. It's all about old is, women. You know, they need to stay in their place, and they do, they should shut. Oh up yeah, I mean, so there is a there is definitely a, a a fairly significant subculture, especially aimed at young men, mm-hmm. um, who are, you know playing on their sense of victimhood and yes, why yeah. not? You know, and and Jordan uh, Jordan Peterson's one of them. Yeah. He makes his career talking about the war on boys. Yeah. Uh, I think he's trying to be less objectionable than some of these guys. But yeah, there's, uh, yeah, I don't think we're out of the weeds uh, on uh, no, 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 on no. this at all. And there are some legitimate concerns about what are the roles and role models uh, yeah. for boys and young men that I think we should maybe take seriously. Yeah. Uh, indeed, for for adult men, if 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 men either end up with uh, depression, opioids, or suicide when they're made redundant because of yeah. automation, then, you know, maybe we should think about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there are some legitimate concerns, um, but that doesn't mean that the answer is, is, is you know, is is to have a, a crusading war on, you know, the, the tyrannical uh, mainstream culture being, being anti-men. That's daft. No, that wasn't what I was saying. But all I'm saying is, if we if we think that we're like that we're out of this, that the that all of this is just. Um, I know uh, you weren't very, saying that. I'm characterizing. Yeah, I'm characterizing the profiteers on the uh, on the angst of uh, of men. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, who, yeah. 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 Who blame yeah. who blame uh, women and the mainstream culture that prioritizes women's issues. Yeah. I'm saying that that's a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, and also uh, the fact that uh, that men are still susceptible to uh, to this kind of bullshit. People are susceptible to all kinds of victim narratives. Yeah, I mean, it's it's God. the it's a sign of the times, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I was just talking about my friend. Actually, uh, a friend we want to invite onto the podcast to talk about films uh-huh. and, our, and, and and documentaries. Uh, I was talk- talking to him about an article I just put in my blog, uh, which for the first time in 15 years, I've talked about my own th- psychopathology in sort of standard terms, uh, you know, the, the medical terms for it. And I, I mentioned how I don't, I don't like to do that. I don't like to think, I prefer not to operate in those terms because I think that's, uh-huh. well, whatever, it doesn't really matter. So, you know, for example, the way the, the Zoomer generation seems to have a fashion for for identifying uh, themselves by their mental illness and maybe just making uh-huh. one up to make themselves seem more interesting, that doesn't appeal to me very much as a, uh, you know, as, as a lifestyle. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm quite, quite strongly on the other side of that. I would rather talk yeah. about things I'm proud of and uh, things I've achieved. And, you know, the things that are unusual about me, not, not sort of textbook yeah. pathologies that, that, that the medical profession has made up in order to uh, be able to take over a certain function in society and profit from it. Yeah. So before we leave the Stepford Wives, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did. And I want to mention also, <laughs> when, when we watched it last week together, it, together with Ava, she hadn't seen it before, so I tried to make sure 
I tried to make sure. Yeah, I know. It's good, isn't it? She didn't know anything about it even. Um, oh. So I tried to make sure that, you know, the I wasn't going to reveal uh, yeah. any more than we had actually seen. And she found it very uneasy, you know, very creepy. And so like the kind of the kind of movie that makes you just sort of like un, uneasy and like, can we maybe have a pause and a cup of tea or something? <laughs> that kind <laughs> of feeling you get. Uh, but also at the end of it, she was furious at the uh, at the husband. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, what a complete monster. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And of course, it's, well, it's the... Uh, uh, that phrase, the banality of evil as well, isn't it? I suppose, yeah. I think yeah. that relates relates to something more specific. But yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's it, the the idea that, uh, that this stuff goes on in suburbs of New York City is obviously completely preposterous. It's a far out fantasy movie mm. from that point of view. Oh, yeah more ridiculous than some science fictions we watch. But, yeah. uh, but even so, it still manages to be quite affecting. Uh, and it was affecting yeah. in both of these ways, one, in suspense, and two, yeah. in developing a, a picture of a crime bit by bit through the movie, uh, and then at the, you know, in the climax, revealing it as the most... Uh, as a truly ghastly thing where the man's too much of a coward to even murder his own wife. He gets the robot to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think all, I think the great strength of the film, um, in a way is the way that it looks like it looks like reality, but not quite. Right. I, I think, think there's, there's, an, there's, there's I, this sort I, of, you know, there's something off all the way through the movie. I haven't <laughs> been able to, I haven't been able to put my finger on this yet. Yeah. But I think that there's there's something maybe uh, truly deep in there as well, in that there there's some kind of a an atavistic fear of the environments and the community that is portrayed here, and not the not the because it's got some evil um, cult going on, but uh -huh. subtract all that of that out, and you've got this beautiful suburban town, big gardens, big houses. Uh, healthy children, nice schools, um, clean air, all that stuff, right? Uh, in many respects, this is something that people would aim for. You know, this is something desirable. On the other hand, I think it is also representing an archetype that we are afraid of, because once you get there, what else is there in life to do? Uh, you know, yeah. is that, is that, it, because life... Uh, to progress, to be a human, uh, to live requires change. You have to sort yeah. of move. You have to you have to progress. Either you're you're making something of yourself. You're you're sort of like, or you're dealing with adversity. Mm -hmm. uh, either of those two uh, provide challenge, mm -hmm. and this environment is the complete absence of challenge. Yes, right? it's it's sort of like a care home. Yeah. Or a mental hospital where everything is, life is beautiful all the time, you know? Yeah. Oh. You, you see what I mean? I think that there's, there might be yes. an element of some sort of deep archetype, let's say, not an actual archetype, but some Jungian sort of deep shared attraction to, and at the same time, fear of this, you know, as a goal, as a, uh -huh. as an utopian sort of, as an ideal, something to work towards. 
that's one thing, as something to enjoy sometimes by visiting, uh, by visiting friends and, and relatives, okay. But once you get there, at that point, somehow your life is over. Yeah. Because all, everything's gone, right? You yeah. got there. You got to heaven or whatever it is. Yeah. Wow. Just a thought. Yeah. Well, okay. Having um, already scared the piss out of our audience. And, <laughs> I don't uh, think so. <laughs> we'll just go around and sell them all the chalk ice and, uh, <laughs> and get on with the main feature. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Shall we all go and get ice creams? Yes. Uh, intermission. <laughs> I've never done that. We've never done an intermission before quite deliberately. Sometimes I've inserted them in editing afterwards. No, well, yeah, we should we should really be trying to sell them some very badly made merch or something at this point. <laughs> <laughs> We go back a year to 1974 and the Parallax View. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm convinced that these two films belong in the same room, but yeah. uh, they are different. Oh, very different. Well, um, they both have the, the, the same structure of a mystery. The Stefford Wives has a pretty clear reveal at the end. Whereas mm -hmm. there's a little bit less certain as to what happens in the end of Parallax View. They, I, I both, uh, I think they're both like horror movies or thrillers set yeah. in the daylight. The photography in Parallax View is magnificent. It's fantastic. Cinemascope, it's two point three nine to one. I mean, you can fit, uh, you can fit like three television sets across in this picture. Uh, it, oh, wow, know, really? <laughs> I know, I'm exaggerating. But, yeah. but yeah, no, you, really, you can fit basically, like, oh, the old television format, you can basically put two TV shows side by side in that, in that format. Wow. It's a lot of, a lot of good lighting, uh, a lot of color. There are some creepy sets, but, uh, you know, it's, like I said, noir set in, uh, set in the daylight, whereas Stepford uh, yeah. Setwise is a horror and it's set in the daylight. Yeah, well, I mean, there's obviously been a lot of thought given to the look of the film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the uh, the director of photography on Parallax View, apparently quite a well-known guy. There was a, I, we had the DVD. Um, the director of photography, does it say here, based on screenplay by some, Gordon Willis. Uh, Gordon Willis, yeah. Willis, there we go. Yeah, he did. A lot of uh, Woody, Woody Allen. Allen stuff. Yeah. And uh, the Godfather. Godfather, yeah, and the Godfather series. So yes, um, you know, in other words, his his work is should be familiar to to some of our audience here, and quite obviously competent. But he oh, also God, has yeah. in this movie he's got a very particular style as well. Did you notice how he often had a a wide static shot, uh -huh. and then we watch action happening in more, more than one place within it. Uh, yeah. It's really quite an unusual way of doing things. So, for example, there's a scene where we've got a, a break-in in a house and mm -hmm. there's one man over here oh, running yeah, through yeah, yeah. and another man walks in on the other side of the screen and yeah. takes a telephone call. And this guy's watching the other guy from over there and then <laughs> yeah. goes across the background of the screen to escape. So, you know, it's a... 
very well shot and very, uh, you know, I thought very mm. beautiful. And, and I, it's got some shots in there where I go like, man, I'd love to be able to take pictures like that. I don't do Oh, yeah, video. I don't the really stuff do on top of movies, the space needle. There was, in particular, one of the times I said that was when the, uh, the sailing boat is, is departing from the harbor. It's just oh, yeah. glorious. Um, but anyway, about the about the plot. The other thing that the the other thing that both of these movies have in common is that they're they function by making you paranoid. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Stepford Lives only needs to do this for the duration of the movie, uh, yeah. in order to develop itself to in its horror to its conclusion and then kind of comedic ending. Uh-huh. It's not supposed to be such a big message is not a political film that's supposed to change people's minds politically i don't think well maybe in terms of the feminism uh, you could yeah, say that yeah i was going to say i think you're seeing you're seeing pol- uh, politics um uh, a little yeah, narrowly too narrowly yeah 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 fair enough whereas you know i think that parallax view is intended to make people feel paranoid for days months or years afterwards Mm. Uh, to sort of wake them up to a conspiracy theory point of view. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so should we try and run through the story? Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. Basically, Warren Beatty is uh, Joseph Frady, who's a journalist on a on a small newspaper. He's following around uh, a U.S. senator who is probably going to run for president. Mm-hmm. It's certainly, it's looking like that. And they, uh, the first scene is uh, is him trying to actually get close to the senator during a visit to the Space Needle in Seattle. Yeah. So up there on the Space Needle, the 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 senator's starting to uh, to give a speech when he is suddenly shot by. Uh, a waiter, and yeah. uh, we see another shot waiter. Dead. Yeah, shot dead. Yeah, we yeah. see another waiter with a gun, although it's not actually clear uh, who shot, or yeah. all this, or if if both who of them shot, shot or only one yeah. or whatever. But the yeah. uh, the the anyway, one of the waiters is is then uh, is then grabbed by the by the security. He manages to escape. He gets out onto the roof of the, uh, of the Space Needle and falls over the edge. Uh, being pursued by security yeah. people. Yeah. So, then we go to a few months later, I think, and yeah. uh, uh, Lee Carter, who is a, a journalist for a slightly bigger newspaper, who's a friend of, uh, of Joseph Freddy's, turns up at his apartment bangs on the door and uh, in a sort of semi-hysterical state and says that uh, basically everybody who was at the at this uh, this assassination yeah. um, has mysteriously died not um, quite everybody because, there were a, yeah. there was a big crowd there but six six people who are witnesses to what happened have mysteriously died since and because she's also was also there, she's now worried that this something could happen she's to next. her. Yeah. Uh, he sort of uh, calms her down and tells her she's been ridiculous and hysterical, all the rest of it. Which is and, so calming, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And the the, uh, the the of course the next thing that the next literally the next shot we get is him examining her body at the morgue. Yes, she has mysteriously died of an extremely high dose of alcohol and barbiturates. 
Yeah. And he knows she would have died of in her sleep if if she wasn't driving her car. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) He knows her well enough to uh, to to know that this is this whole thing is improbable. Yeah. So then he starts to actually uh, look into this and research it. And he chooses one of the other guys who's. You know, died uh, under mysterious circumstances, uh, allegedly through an accident at uh, uh, where he, he was fishing in front of this huge dam, which uh, which opened. Well, downstream of a dam, yeah, on the yeah. river that's downstream of a dam. He goes to uh, goes to goes to this town, which is called Salmon Tail. Uh, gets into a into a bar fight. Can we talk about the bar fight very quickly? Oh, why not? Yeah. Because this is this is, can, this is something have, so many people have a problem with this bar. Do you have fight. any idea what this comedy scene is for, or is um, it because a movie like this needs a comedy scene? No, I don't. I, I think it does actually have have the movement, uh, the uh, the the means of moving the plot along. Because the whole point of this is that you never know where these people are if they're in law enforcement if they're if they're behind the in some kind of authority all the rest of it well i mean the the only thing that's actually revealed in terms of plot in this whole elaborate classic western saloon bar fight uh, uh, i mean it's pastiche really yeah um, <laughs> the only thing that's revealed in terms of, that's important to the plot is that the uh, sheriff's department in this town is pretty corrupt you know nepotistic yeah. and corrupt and that could have been summed up in hmm. rather more quickly without having to, uh, you know, having having to a... having to have a, a a bar fight exit through the gift shop. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, but there's there's another thing that uh, another piece of information which is revealed to us here, which only makes sense later on. Uh, the guy who who uh, who. Warren B. has the bar fight with is sort of deputy sheriff. And uh, at the end of this fight, when he's knocked unconscious, um, the sheriff uh, sort of reveals himself and, and says that, yeah, I was hoping that you would actually beat the shit out of him because he's my nephew and I hate him. Yeah. But he says something like he's too mean to get on with anybody. And the whole thing about picking the fight is so kind of stupid. And, of course, we later learn that there's this Parallax Corporation, which is actively recruiting psychopaths. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, the fact that you would actually maybe, uh, you know, maybe he's in it. Yeah, maybe. I I didn't make that connection because it seems clear that he's... He's just a police deputy from some little town. Anyway, we'd better go on with the plot. Okay. Warren Beatty works out that this whole story with the dam is is bullshit. He gets, he gets taken there by the sheriff the next day, and the sheriff is obviously intending to kill him. Yeah. Uh, Warren Beatty actually manages to kill the sheriff and gets away. Yep. Goes back to the Home newspaper. Base. Yeah. Yep. Manages slowly to convince the... Or, to a bit further convince his boss that this is this is something that needs looked into. In the meantime, whilst he was uh, whilst he was going through the the sheriff's place after he'd killed him, he found some papers about this thing called the Parallax Corporation and a test. Yes, 
what a, a long series of psychological questionnaire tests. Questionnaire Very questions. popular yeah. in the seventies. Uh, they certainly were. Yeah, I I was actually subjected to one once. Uh, yeah, they still use they still use them for personality testing. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Warren Beatty's got a friend who's psychiatrist, psychologist. One of them. Yes. So he anyway, he's got a friend who's a uh, who's some sort of a researcher who manages to help him understand that this test could be used to identify violent, dangerous people without any compunctions. Mm -hmm. And um, he applies for the job. Yeah, so he applies for the job after, of course, they first give the test to a sort of pet psychopath that this guy's doing experiments on. Yep. Get him to answer all the questions, and Warren Beatty gets called in for a follow-up interview. Yeah. And uh, in one of the film's most amazing moments... He's then subjected to this film of uh, of different images. Yeah, so uh, he's sort of given something a little bit like a a psychology test, but instead of asking questions, they're now they're measuring his biometric responses while showing him a slideshow to set to music. Yeah, and which is a huge sort of coup de théâtre of the whole movie. Yes. Yes, on second viewing, Ava insisted I skip part through that part because she found it so disturbing yeah, um, no. on the first view. I find what's interesting about this is the setup around this uh, slideshow. The, uh, it's called the parallax test. Yeah. The setup around the parallax test is this, I mean, you could do this today or what today it wouldn't be but back then you could have done it with a slide projector in a in an office sized room with the equipment on it you know and a chair and that's all you'd need uh, except they've got this huge space with a very elaborate sort of I'm James Bond villain layer yeah uh, with uh, with his chair in the middle with a spotlight on it and he's instructed over you know, over oh, no. a loudspeaker yeah. uh, in what to do. And then, uh, then, uh, then an enormous thing descends in order to, you know, it's, it's just a projection screen. But, you know, the whole thing just looks so crazy big. And mm. you wonder why. That doesn't seem to serve any purpose as far as the Parallax Corporation's job is concerned. Mm. I have to assume that this is serving a purpose for us as movie viewers. I think uh, so. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's sort of like having fancy architecture for uh, a for a corporation. Yeah. Just just for showing off and 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 going, "Whoa, these these guys are serious. These these guys are these must must have money and power." Anyway, so that's what I I sort of assumed. Um yeah. Wow. And there's another question right there is that he does get an assignment from this Parallax Corporation. Uh -huh. uh, in other words, the Parallax Corporation is basically, in, 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 the, in the case of Warren Beatty's character, are headhunters looking for people who are going to have rather specialized jobs in corporate security. Mm -hmm. Specialized jobs meaning assassinations. Assassinations, yeah. What I don't understand about this scene is how does Warren Beatty pass the test? Because... You can understand yeah. that doing the doing the questionnaire in advance, yeah, you can you can fake yeah. it. But how does he fake the biometrics? You know, the, I, the it's I've like a lie detector kind of thing. 
Yeah. I think he doesn't. Oh, could be. I think yeah. he doesn't. I think I think they're on to him uh, <laughs> from the from the moment. And yes. I think that when they se- when they send him off on, you know, an assignment, it's uh, that they're, they're all already know that they're setting him up. Right. Think- there's because very clearly the Parallax Corporation isn't just recruiting assassins. They're it's recruiting patsies. Yeah. 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 And I think uh, he's I, been I, recruited yeah, as a patsy. I, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it yeah. could be that. Um, yes, that that's just not revealed. Anyway, we better get on with uh, with some more uh, assassinations and uh-huh. bombs going off. So he uh, he follows somebody who he recognises after after the test, uh, who he correctly uh, deduces has a job. It's, it's actually the second waiter from the Space Needle, hmm. and he, he follows him all the way to the airport, where he watches as and uh, I mean just a fan fantastic sequence in the yeah. film of this whole thing of the of him checking his bag in and then not getting on the plane yeah. and then the plane to, and Warren Beatty jumping on the plane in the last minute yeah. and trying to work out how he can actually alert the cabin crew to the fact that there's a bomb on the plane anonymously without, anonymously yeah, yeah. Oh, just amazing it's fun it's pretty suspenseful yeah uh, I think we skipped a bit because there's uh, there's a scene where he tracks down one of the last remaining people who were on who was on top of the space needle, gets him to talk to him. Uh, the bloke is under you know serious protection and uh, and it's very very worried. Yeah, yeah. Warren Beatty manages to actually uh, start interviewing him. This is while they're out on a boat. Which is yeah exactly yeah. that's your that's the, your scene the meeting on the, yacht. the meeting with the uh, with this uh, with this guy who also wants to know something about what's about what's going on with the assassination of the witnesses to the original mm. political killing on the on the space needle the meeting happens in a boatyard and then they say all right if we're going to talk we we'll have to go out on the boat so they go out on the boat and during a pause in that conversation I I think basically they've managed they've said all they can say to each other at that point. Uh, BT happens to be sitting on the front of the boat, just enjoying the the ride, while the other two are back in the cockpit of its sailing boat. When an explosion happens, that that BT survives. BT mm-hmm. then proceeds through the through the rest of the movie, using the fact that he's been reported dead, mm-hmm. or BT's character does, yeah, using the fact that he's been reported dead, and 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 the fact that this happens uh, does help him to get his editor at the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, to support him in in further investigations, mm-hmm. the the editor himself is of course later killed uh, after after hearing a, a tape that uh, the Beatty took of a conversation between him and one of the Parallax Corporation's operatives. Yeah, all ends up to this to this final thing when the Parallax Corporation order Beatty to turn up at uh, some kind of political uh, fundraiser. Now I'd read in the in the research for this that it's actually for the guy who would have gone up against the senator in the in the opening assassination. Yeah, I th- yes, so, I I couldn't figure these these various politicians out because there are three that yeah. uh, that that appear. There's the one that gets murdered in the uh, in the in the beginning of the movie. There's another politician on the uh, airplane. No, that's 
Yeah, that's it. That's actually the opponent of the guy who gets who who's the last one who gets murdered. Uh, of the at the at a at a, at a rehearsal for a big fundraiser uh, uh, campaign yeah. event. So yes, the final scene plays out at this uh, big convention center where there's going to be a uh, a big convention tomorrow. There's um, but in the run up to this, there's a bit that I'm a little bit curious about. Is it our Warren Beatty character whose name I can never really remember? let's just call him Warren Beatty. Freddy Joseph Freddy. All right, Freddy. Uh, he's been given this task by his handler. I'm not sure if this is Parallax mm. at this point or or the client of Pal- Parallax. He's being given his task. And then he then goes to a hotel in order to arrange for his partner in this job, the other guy, the other security guy who's going to work with him, to Uh leave the country and go to Hawaii. And this appears to me to be Freddy freelancing a little bit to try and get his, uh, you know, his, his security partner out of the picture uh, so that he can better investigate what's going on as a journalist. Uh-huh. Follow? Yes, yeah, I, yes, that's, that's what I took for, okay. from it. Yeah, okay, good. It turns out that the politician who just comes down briefly to this rehearsal, you know, to check in and be told, given his instructions, and basically that's about it. He gets murdered right there during the rehearsal, and... It turns out, or the way it appears, is that Freddy was the is the patsy for this particular murder. Yeah, and there's just the movie ends right, right there and then. So, well, not yeah, quite. Well, no, in, quite. in the fi- hold on, not quite. In yeah. the final shot of the final couple of shots of the movie, yeah. Freddy discovers himself standing in the in the in the roof area where he's been watching everything going on, yeah. and uh, and he turns around and discovers that there's a rifle. Right in front of him, yeah. which obviously the the implication being that this is the assassination weapon, and that he's now put in the right place with opportunity, and so he'll be charged with the murder. Yeah. He uh, he attempts to run out of the of the roof area, and there's a, there's a door at the end of a gangway, which suddenly opens, and uh, a shotgun blast. So you you're left to infer that Freddy is uh, is then shot. Yes, sorry, that's what I meant when I was saying it really yeah. too quickly. <laughs> no, actually, but there is another scene right after that. There is there is this other scene now right at the beginning of the movie after the the space needle assassination. There's a long scene where basically a commission, a government commission is reading out its findings which was that there was no conspiracy and everything's okay. This starts with a very long boom shot from a long way away from the commission and then the camera moves towards them yes at the end of this we start right in front of the commission and the camera backs up the same <laughs> commission kind of yeah. yes same, same, commission. same commission it backs up and the the setup for that picture is is interesting because you've got the seven chairs for these seven seven um yeah. dignitaries i don't know what you call them commissioners commissioners sure sure and and their chairs and the and the and the fancy wooden uh, desk they're all sitting at with the fancy wooden paneling behind it, and surrounding oh. this is just pure blackness. Yes, A very dramatic uh, picture, low lighting as well. This push of the camera in the beginning and the pull back mm-hmm. of the camera later does have this very uh, unrealistic property to it of just yeah, pure well, blackness I've- around it. 
I think it's probably supposed to suggest a pendulum which just swings from side to side but doesn't actually go anywhere. Yeah, it could be. Uh, or, or, no, That's it's, my take on it. <laughs> yeah, there's a – fair enough. The other thing – that's particular about the ending is that uh, at one moment, just before the, the music comes in, the credits start rolling, the commissioners just disappear and we can see the same scene with empty chairs. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what that means either. Ah. Uh, and then we go through an extremely short sequence of credits, which is, uh, as far as the technical credits is concerned, uh, surprisingly short. Huh. And then there's a credit for every one of the pictures in the parallax test. Which is oh, wow. which is much much and there's two pages of that and there it's a very long uh, sequence very long list of names. Gosh, so the relevance of the JFK murder is it's direct. There's absolutely no way not to escape it. Mm. There's so much from the setup of the initial uh, murder yeah. scene, and also the, a lot a lot of the RFK shooting. Yes, absolutely. Yes. There's the, yes. the, the the waiter. There's yeah. uh, there's also there's a girl in a polka dot dress who yep. who wafts by at one stage. So there's all these kind of digs in the direction of RFK as well. Yes, yes, and and then the insistence in these two commission reports that the gunman acted alone. There was no conspiracy. The important mm. finding everybody needs to understand and take home: there was no conspiracy. Yeah, which I've kind of always maintained is. They're trying to draw our attention to a possible conspiracy. Yeah. Isn't that what this is about? Yeah. They're trying to draw our attention to the possibility of it and that you will never be told the truth. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's kind of the way I read, yeah. uh, I read yeah. it. You know, I mean, the, there are so many. See, I mean, even last year, President Biden refused to, well, actually uh, did, had to do an executive action to extend the secrecy. Uh, secrecy of a whole bunch of JFK related documents that researchers have been wanting to get their right. hand, waiting to get their hands on. So, no, you're not getting them. Um, yeah. And this just basically goes little reported in the mainstream news and just, you know, us, us tinfoil hatters who enjoy this stuff yeah. talk about it and go, ah, typical. And I, I tend to think, you know, the kind of paranoia that a movie like The Parallax View represents and maybe even tries to engender is every bit as good for the purposes of social control as being able to do political murders and have nobody look into them hmm. right to be able to do and have nobody questioning your what your your, your claims about what really happened or if you're going to murder a president in hmm. uh in, in broad daylight in in uh, you know in dallas you know it, it it's there's no, there's no getting away from the fact that that's going to be noticed. I mean, the whole world is going to notice this. So the big question is, who did it? Yeah. You know, and and nobody looking into that and just accepting your story is that's perfectly good for social control, right? That that keeps everything calm and you you control the narrative. But it doesn't seem to me that it's really much worse if. People can't find the truth and just start, and just argue for the rest of their lives about conspiracies. No, that, yeah, I see. It's that they can't get any information. Yeah. About. You know, it, yeah. it works. It works just as well both ways. You can, yeah, you know, government still gets to carry on doing whatever it is they want to do. Yeah. No, a political <laughs> murder has has happened, and the uh, and and some version of possible justice has 
Well, yeah. it hasn't really, because because none of these guys get proper trials, but they get they get knocked off before they get to trial, right? Yeah. Um, so there's, it, it, you know, it it works both way. You know, it, uh-huh. it may be messy. Yes. But the paranoia may, in fact, the paranoia of 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 not knowing. I mean, that's the fact of the matter. Is we don't know. We've not going to be told. We're never going to yeah. be told the truth. There are documents that we are not being given access to. There are questions that the government won't answer. Yeah. And that's fine. It works. Mm. Yeah, because, of course, the, uh, the I mean, what's, what's behind all of this is capital. Mm-hmm. In, in well, both films, actually. In, yes and no. I, I no longer entirely entirely subscribe to the notion that that the United States is an oligarchy. It doesn't quite add up. It's certainly highly oligarchic, but the security state does get to push business people around when when it chooses and if it can. Really, money is convertible into power and back again, right? That's Okay. What is it yeah. that money does for you? If it's if you're not doing something with it, it's just numbers on a computer. But mm-hmm. it's only when you do something with it or you threaten to do something with it that that it, it starts to have meaning. And so it's this convertibility into power that is is so critically important about money. So but power exists in other dimensions as well. So simply being the head of the FBI and having uh, having a file on every potential p- political enemy, every every mm. politician that you need to keep under control, that's also power. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be- but, just uh, being in but, that position is power and it doesn't yes, take okay. money. But the, no, but, uh, but hold on. But, uh, so but power, the fact so that what I'm saying is just to let me, just to let me finish it. I was just wanting to say money is a dimension of power. It's one of the dimensions of power. Uh, yeah. But hold on. The, the fact that you're, that, uh, that you have all of these files on people is because they threaten, uh, the status quo of capital. Of capital. Uh, but of they threaten the status quo. I just like to leave that sentence there at that point. They threaten the status quo, which is, a set of social relations that involves power and money, among other things. But money is not the be-all and end-all. It's not. It doesn't all come from money. Money, money is an important part of how power can be amassed, but it's not the only way. Mm. I'm not sure. I, 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 I you're, tend to you're, you're going to be a solid a Marxist on this one, yeah? Yes, I am. Yes, okay. because uh, because everybody thinks that they control capital. No, but, I don't. I, I don't. But capital I don't see controls you. No, I don't see it. That no, oh no, of course not. Um, yes. So on from that point, if you're talking about people thinking that money gives them power, um, yeah, or or that they can control it. No, yeah, no, it's not that simple. No, no because um, uh, because it has its own logic, and uh, as long as you're you're actually part of that scenario, then mm. life may well go well for you. But as soon as you know you you're not, then you will be uh, quite radically eradicated. Yeah, money is an important feature of of modern life. It's it's far too important. But even if we didn't have this this infinite accumulability of money is that a word it's not this this uh, infinite potential unlimited potential to accumulate money the unlimited potential to 
move it from one holder to another, including to inherit it, uh, in other words, the transferability, inheritability of money, even without that, power would be something that people seek. And this happens through, in, in other instances, through storytelling, through religion, through empires, oh, empires that generally built on trading. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, to do with resource control, but that doesn't have to, that doesn't have to involve transferable monies. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I do think that, that capital, that money allows even more perverse exaggerations of, of human relations and the concentrations of power. Uh, certainly. Okay. But I don't ultimately, I don't, I think I've, I've moved away from a, uh, a sort of Marxian view that, that, that capital is, is sort of like at the, at the center of everything now. All right. I mean, for example, we're, uh, we're dealing with uh, a war at the moment, which is causing uh, big trouble in European economies or other economies in the, in the world, other countries' mm-hmm. economies, but in particular in the European Union for the German economy, which is highly dependent on imports from Russia, which they've sanctioned themselves out of in terms of raw materials and, and energy. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's bad for business, extremely bad for business. Yeah. And yet German leaders are all in favor of these sanctions that they've created for themselves to ruin their businesses. So what's going on here? The business people, the business community in Germany is not getting what they want. Something Mm. else, some other agenda is driving the destruction of German industry. Germany is in the process of deindustrializing, which of course the Greens support, but that's a different story. The, The point is that there are other agendas afoot. And usually when big things happen, it's when more than one agenda converges. Mm. In this case, there's an American agenda, which has for over a century been sort of existentially afraid of the merger of German technology and capital with Russian natural resources Mm. and manpower and land. In other words, an alliance between Germany and Russia is... That's something that has terrorized the British as well and the French, mm-hmm. uh, yep. just the very thought of it. So, you know, and, and Germany was on that road to greater uh-huh. and greater integration. Uh, I mean, you've got former German chancellors on the board of Gazprom, things like that. Yes, exactly. You've got, you've yeah. got real, and in order for trade, and if you think about it, in order for, for really high level investment to happen in a foreign country, you need security guarantees. And security guarantees are how wars start, right? Mm, yeah. So security guarantees are necessary. If I'm going to go and make an investment in plant for an oil extract, so, you know, an energy extraction project in another country, my oil firm is going to go to my country's diplomats and say, look, we need to do something so that if we're going to spend this much money over here and we're not going to start to see a profit on it for 10 years, I'm a little bit concerned about the People's Liberation Party over there, and we want to make sure they don't get into power and nationalize the shit. So, mm-hmm. you know, that now is that stuff that's going to potentially involve acts of parliament in the other country and and treaties mm-hmm. and high-level meetings. You know, it's, And maybe assassinations. And maybe assassinations, yes. And maybe, yeah, exactly, and coups. Right. You know, Mm. what happens in Venezuela, what happens in Bolivia, what happens in Guatemala? These are all things that just businesses want, but they don't always get them. And sometimes the it's the State Department that that puts the foot down and uh, and a business that 
that has got has made big investments in Russia just has to lose everything. They, you know, they, mm. you're, gonna, you're just going to leave all the investment there behind, and and Russia gets to mm. take possession of it and sell it off pennies on the dollar. Um, well, let's let's see. The, the other foot hasn't dropped with that. No, it, I mean, I don't know where this is going, but we've, like I've said, I think we've started, and this has got a long way to run yet. I'm just saying that from the point of view of German business industrialists, they did not get what they wanted out of this war. Right. right. Yeah. That's that's the point I'm making. Is that it's not okay. just what it's not just what businesses want that that wins. There are other agendas, and this is the nature of conspiracies. By the way, you put a really cool intro to some, what was it like on the BBC hmm. or something? Some from, from 90s Oh, from Alex Cox, yeah. yeah. Nice little intro. Uh, so it basically is, yeah. it's, it's one of these one of these times where somebody get, does like 10 or 15 minutes talk about a movie before they put it on the TV. Yes, yeah. And, and this, this was how I first saw the movie. Okay, actually. cool. And yeah. and it's a very nice, very very nice little introduction. I love it. And then they so they go through all the reasons why you might suspect conspiracies. And then he runs down a list of and who you think actually did it uh, depends on you know pol- where you are and your political persuasions. And yeah. he ran through a list of that as well, all of which I see as somehow mistaken because through that that entire list. They said, "Oh, the CIA did it. Oh, the Texas, the the, the mafia did it. Mm. The, this, and it's not really like that. When these things happen, it's because at that moment in time, there's a convergence mm. of interest among several important people, probably in several different walks of life, who mm. know each other and are able to talk to each other, and then." They converse. That's the conspiracy, and somebody takes it upon themselves to make the arrangements. Mm. You know, it's like this idea uh, of a of a shadow web that sort of like mm. becomes apparent at a certain time. But basically, it's just a it's it's networking. Mm. It's it's largely men, but not just. But it's people in high places who know each other and make phone calls and have meetings, and that's the conspiracy. And it just. It comes into it comes into play and goes away again when when it's done, right? Yeah. But, but the you know, for example, in the case of JFK, I I happen to think that Dulles was an important one in in that in those conversations. Alan, Alan Dulles, yeah, yeah a former CIA uh-huh. director. And, yeah. But there were others. There were people in the Pentagon who were who were furious with JFK for trying to de-escalate the Cold War before it got went too far. Um, mm. And trying to seek a personal relationship with Khrushchev and and an Entente, that was that was completely against their idea of how things had to go. Mm. Now, there were plenty of plenty of people who had good reasons, and I and I think that that's you know that sort of comes together. All right, fine, we've had enough of this guy. We'll get somebody else, and it's it's yeah. just a way of doing a coup. So yeah, so yeah. so what I'm what I'm saying is that the power it can be very easy to try to think of oh there's this guy and this this in the CIA he did you know it was the CIA did it 
that's a nice, easier, easy way of, of envisaging it. Or it's nice, easy way of, in, or, or the Alex Jones style view of conspiracies. There are, there's a whole, you know, the, the World Economic Forum types have meetings all the time to plan this shit. Well, maybe a little bit they do, <laughs> but, you know, it's much more ad hoc than that. That's what I'm, that's mm-hmm. my point. Um, these players that are, that are involved up at that level, they're, they cooperate and compete in an ad hoc way in their everyday lives anyway. Mm-hmm. Everybody's looking after their, their interests and pursuing, you know, people at a government agency are looking after their budgets and protecting their organization from, from Congress, that kind of thing. And, 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 you know, people in private business, obviously their, their interests are, are clear. What, don't know what to say about Bill Gates. You know, he doesn't actually run a company anymore. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. They, but, they, but they know each other. Yeah. Or they certainly can talk to each other if they want to. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Anyway, ad, ad, hoc, ad hoc relationships, I think, are, 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 the, are the nature of these conspiracies as they, uh, as they take place. Mm-hmm. Well, that may well be. But um, is it interesting that a film like this came up at exactly this time in well, that, 1974? There was a market for it then. Along with uh, other paranoid movies like the one, the other one we've talked about, the Stepford Wives, and uh, the Conversation yeah. as well. Yeah, which well, is it, uh, it was a time when the excesses of security organisations in the United States were being investigated and made public, and it was in the seventies that there were improvements made, and and some of these excesses were reined in, and. You know, the FBI stopped assassinating uh, political enemies in the United States until basically the Bush administration, the second Bush administration came along. So, I mean, it was, and those, and those reforms happened because there was a public discussion about Mm. it. So this stuff is very much in the public mind. (laughs) And of course, the, the next project that this producer, that this, not producer, this director did, uh, uh, Alan J. Pakula, who, uh, who made the Parallax View, was all the president's men, yeah, and the screenplay for that was written by the guy who wrote the skit, the screenplay for the Stepford Wives. Really, <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a, so there's a lot of lot of connections between yeah. all these two. Yeah, yeah. I was, um, I, I kind of, uh, I kind of went on a bit of a bit of a sort of hunt for 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 connections, as you can see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I decided not to uh, not to really examine all the president's men because of course that is uh, that is uh, that's something that actually happened. That's a factual uh, a, a factual yeah. uh, series of events. It's it's kind of a dramatized documentary in a way. Yes. And the the thing about the parallax view is that it is uh, well more or less a work of fiction. Yes. So it will actually tell us a bit more about the psyche of the time. Yes, it's it's more of a more of a, a sort of artifact than than uh, than than a, a dramatized documentary. Yeah. And anyway, there's uh, I'm I'm a little bit distrustful of things like that. Uh, well, there's a similar one just come out recently. Uh, the Post. I don't know if you've seen. Oh that. God, no! <laughs> right, <laughs> not okay. interested. Well, not interesting. Well, but uh, I also found it very interesting because I was uh, I sort of started jotting down names of things that this reminded me of. One of them, of course, was the Brett Easton Ellis. 
book, Glamorama, mm-hmm. which um, it would be interesting to look at that again in relation to, to Hunter Biden. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, um, you know, we were talking about MK Ultra a couple of weeks ago, and uh, there's the Manchurian candidate. Yes. Which, funnily enough, that came out before all of that. Oh, a long time before, yeah. Yeah. Pretty good movie. It's a great book, though. I happen to have to have read the book a long, very long time ago. Yeah. I, I'm i not sure I want to have a, an episode about the Manchurian Candidate. Um, mm. But... Okay. Uh, oh, I mean, yes. The, I mean, this stuff, this stuff does does come up a lot. I mean, we've got... Mm-hmm. Uh, Oliver Stone made a hot, big Hollywood blockbuster about JFK. Um, oh, God, and exactly yeah. this stuff, and yeah. he's done, and he's done a doco series update of it, or not an update, but a, you know a doco, yeah. uh, much more recent doco version. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's still plenty of interest in, in these topics, and there's also it's very very clear that the that our governments and our corporations are keeping way more shit secret than they should. Okay, well, absolutely. Listen to this, then. Yeah, go on. So I managed to track down a sort of a trio of things, really. From The first one is from 1907, and the last one, I suppose, is 1910. Mm-hmm. So we, we start with uh, Joseph Conrad's The Secret Agent, which is a wonderful, wonderful novel, which I know it's been made into a TV series and thing, I think a film as well. Yeah. But the, the book is, is absolutely fantastic, which is all about agent provocateurs. Okay. And, uh, and anarchists and all the rest of it. Then you have, uh, in 1908, you've got G.K. Chesterton's The Man Who Was Thursday. Okay. Which is also about the secret police and uh, uh, agent provocateurs. And uh, mm. it's when when a, an entire uh, anarchist cell discovers that, abs- that every one of them is a secret policeman, basically. Okay. <laughs> and then finally, you have Jack London's The Assassination Bureau Limited which uh, is supposed to have influenced the parallax view because it's somebody setting up a a, a corporation who makes no moral judgments at all, but you can hire an assassin. Although I think, I think in the, in the Jack London book, they they do kind of make moral judgments, but, but uh, in the parallax view, uh, the parallax corporation is, is available for hire. You know, as far as I can, as far as we can make out. So, uh, the interesting thing about the Assassination Bureau Limited, I love that limited. That means they must have had shareholders. How else did, would that work? You know, the interesting um, thing about that was yeah. that Jack no, London doesn't, doesn't it. have doesn't have to have more than one shareholder. A limited just means it's a corporation that protects its uh, its owners. But oh, okay. it doesn't have to have more than one owner. The interesting thing about that is that Jack London started it in 1910 and then kind of couldn't work out how to finish it. So left just left it half finished and with some sketches when he died in 1916. Okay. And uh, it, uh, it got picked up again in the early 60s and finished by somebody else. And then it was published a couple of months before the Kennedy assassination. Okay. 
Which is interesting. Well, if you like coincidence, you do like coincidences. I love coincidences, yeah. <laughs> I like conspiracies and you like coincidences. All right. Yeah. It's just, I find it interesting that at that moment in time, there were a lot of people thinking in that particular way. Then now, in the or, or around the, the beginning of the 70s, there were people thinking in the same way. And I wonder what that says. About what happened in between? No, or about think, what had recurred. Well, maybe it was always going on and you're just happening happening upon two two instances of having it being talked about. So it might not be that there would have been a period of patriotism during wars. But uh -huh. apart from that, what makes you think that these topics weren't being discussed? Well, there maybe were, but they weren't I don't see evidence that they were throwing up uh Artifacts, cultural artifacts. Mm -hmm. Maybe I think just didn't cultural, I mean, you know, we discuss cultural artifacts on this show, right? And but I think but, the but reason in why order, in order is to, because in order to claim some some significance about this absence, you need to establish that the absence exists, and I'm not sure that you've yeah. done that. Okay, you may, maybe I haven't. But my my point is that an artifact is something that's thrown up on the beach from mm -hmm. the 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 great storm of human consciousness mm, yes bear in mind um, that's your personal beach and my personal beach you know there was what happens to pass through the transom as you call as you put it <laughs> <laughs> you know just you know it, it i mean there's a lot of contingencies involved in what you happen to notice right what happens to come to your attention mm. Oh yeah, hold on. We're 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 going to uh, we're going to arrive at uh, at an existentialist interpretation of this in a moment. At which point, we may well implode, <laughs> <laughs> or we'll end up with uh, apricot cocktails or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just. Uh, I guess I'm not convinced that the that there was something here and something here. And what was that thing that was there and went away and came back again? I'm not sure. Mm. I buy into the pattern. Okay, saying there. Okay. But uh, well, I mean, this is uh, this this is what I do, you know. This is yes. I, I look for patterns yeah. where none exist, yeah. <laughs> particularly when none exist. Yes, <laughs> particularly there. <laughs> Establish there aren't any, and then look for them. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you're weird. Guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah, and I'm perfectly straightforward. Perfectly. <laughs> what else have we forgotten well, to say about these two movies, though? I don't know. They're really great, and you should see both of them. I think so too. Yes, I Stepford Wives. No, I if it, don't chuckle about it. Just go watch it. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's got a big message for us these days. I think it's it's a solid pro women anti men feminist statement. I guess from that point of view, it does bear. You know, yeah. for, you know, we should be forcing it on people. Maybe from that point of view, that's enough. But yeah, it's it's a good from my point of view is it's a it's a good thriller and it's a good horror movie. It's scary. Yeah, yeah. And if you're going to go into that with the insisting on an ironic view, where you're going to have a chuckle at everything all the way through it, then fine, that's your problem, not mine. Yeah, yeah. On one level, I suppose it's a it's a horror movie. It's more of a sort of weird tale. Than yes. horror. Yeah, Roald Dahl's Tales of the Unexpected. <laughs> but it's, uh, 
Yeah. Uh, well, or, or maybe um, maybe Poe or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but it feel it has the it has all that suspense that a good horror movie does. It sustains yes. that suspense, and it's got a horrific ending. Yep. Yeah. No, it works absolutely. Yeah. And go and, and watch Get Out. I told you. I told you it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I know you did. Yeah. Huh? And uh, and the parallax view is all is just. A classic, really. Yeah. I mean, it looks wonderful. The yeah. acting in it is great. Yeah, yeah BT is good. I mean, the oh, yeah, there's one other thing I should mention. There's really only one woman in the Parallax View. And, that's true. Uh, and that's the uh, the TV journalist who <laughs> dies almost instantly. No, not quite. She gets two scenes and then she dies. Uh, yeah. She's just on a slab in a morgue. And... On the other hand, Stepford Wives is very much a women's movie in that yes. it's women on the screen nearly all the time. Uh, the men, yeah. when they show up, are only surrounding women. Yep. And they're idiotic and ridiculous. And yeah. most of the time, these women are doing women things. Uh, they're conducting their lives. And uh, when, <laughs> when they're not robots, they're... Uh, they're Perfectly nice and, and get up and go type people, so that they, that's that's I think another reason why this is a good double bill. Yeah, and uh, you know certainly it's uh, from the point of view of the acting in the Stepford Wives, it's uh, it's some very very strong performances. Yeah, by yeah. a lot of the women, it's yeah, uh, yeah it's 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 captivating. And you'll seldom see such a co good collection of sun hats and sundresses circulating in a supermarket <laughs> so somebody said on the on the internet it's if you, you it's not often that you see every bad bridesmaid dress in the world <laughs> in one movie <laughs> yeah that's going a bit too far but that you know that, that's this that's this insistence these days on on being ironically superior to everything it's a little, yeah a little tiresome take things on their own terms it's easier yeah yeah, yeah. It's more fun, I think. Uh, make your way out through the crunching the popcorn underfoot. <laughs> yes. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I was actually at the movies last night. Yeah, you said. What do you see? I saw this film called Rimini. Hmm. What's that? A very, very strange Austrian movie. Huh. About a, a sort of um, clapped out middle-aged Schlager singer. Oh, Performing in off-season Rimini with it <laughs> raining all the time. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a very a very strange movie about getting old, and I suppose ultimately death. It's quite frightening in parts. But uh, uh, and it's it certainly stayed with me today. So that's that's worth a look. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I... Sounds interesting. Anyway, I gotta go. Dinner's ready. Yep. Apparently, um, Me too. Ava's going to um, going to do something annoying if I don't go and eat it while it's hot. Okay. Right. Fair enough. All right. That was fun. Bye bye. Mm -hmm.